You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, August 10th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter as well. And maybe if you're familiar with my work over at Just Baseball, go check that out where I write about a bunch of Padres stuff and regular baseball stuff and... Frankly, just anything connected to the sport, including fictional characters sometimes. So go check that out. Thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where I'm wearing plain old shirt. Plain old tee. Hanes white tee. You know what I mean? Hey, if it's good enough for M- Michael Jordan, that's, then it's good enough for me. You know what I mean? Like That's just, that's just what I do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we had quite the game last night. We had quite the game. We're going to be talking about Manny Machado's walk-off home run, baby. It was awesome. He was making the round. Some people, I saw you. I saw some of you Dodger lackeys and even you other fans out there making fun of his quote saying he's not worried at all. He's Manny bleeping Machado. Well, he came through. We're also going to be talking about Josh Hader and the Padres bullpen and talking about Blake Snell a little bit who had a very good start yet again. But ladies and gentlemen, let's start with what's first. It's funny because I actually, you could, I, I love saying this on the pod where I say, ask my mom, right? Like I, I keep saying, ask her to, if you, if you don't believe me, but I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, once again, I said, even after Josh Hader had blown this game, I said, I actually really do think they're going to win this one because it's home field. They hadn't won in a while. And I just thought they're, they're going to pull this one through because of the home field advantage, because of the extra runner on base, all that stuff. I thought that they were going to win this. I didn't necessarily think that they were going to win it like they did last night, though. Uh, first, let's talk about Joe Musgrove. His first good start since the extension, which granted, he's only had two starts since the extension. But he'd been due for a good start for a while. And against a decent offensive team in the San Francisco Giants, seven innings, one earned run, over six hits. That was a weird way to phrase it. Uh, no walks, which is great for strikeouts. So not dominant Joe Musgrove. His ERA is still or at least before the start, it was at 3. Now it's below 3, which is very nice at 2.9. Um, but he hadn't had a really like dominant start, it feels like, in a while. Um, but even still, even still, Musgrove has been as steady as they come for most of the year. And it was really cool seeing him just kind of have this nice bounce-back start, especially given that the Padres have been sliding recently. So that was really great. Um, on the other side of things... Alex Cobb for the Giants, who I actually think is quite good. I just think that the Giants' defense hasn't helped him out at all this year. But five innings, three earned runs on six hits. He did strike out seven. Looked pretty invincible to start the game, especially how he was mixing up pitches and fooling a lot of Padres hitters. But Juan Soto hits his first home run for the Padres, which was lovely to tie the game. That was very, very fun. That was in the bottom of the fourth. And then the Padres came through later on after we had Mr. Juan Soto again 
have a double. Uh, in this game, Monsoto had quite the game. He went two for three with a walk and a strikeout, including a home run, obviously, like I said, and a double. And then Josh Bell ends up driving in an RBI as well, and then there was a sack fly. So Josh Bell also has been pretty solid for the Padres, too. The offense, they just haven't been timely. I guess is the way to say it, right? They haven't had good situational hitting. Profar has been in a real slide of late uh, when it comes to his offense. Two for five game from him uh, as well, which was nice. But in general, Padres haven't been so good offensively, obviously, since the trade deadline. But again, that's only a few games, right? I've seen people freaking out and saying, oh my God, they're screwed. But I really only think that there's one takeaway I have, and we're going to get to him in a little bit. And that's Josh Hader in this game. He gets two outs, but he walks three, including two walks with the bases loaded to tie the game, uh, or not to tie the game. It was a sacrifice fly that Jerkson Profar makes an incredible play in left field to grab. Thank you, Jerkson Profar. Not an elite all-timer outfielder out there, but one of the best outfielder seasons, at least in the top five that the Padres have had. Probably in the AJ Perla era, can I say that? Like a top five out... I'm trying to think. Obviously, excluding Soto, because he... He just got there, but for a singular season, I mean, it's like Seth Smith, Justin Upton, like, I can't really think of some other guys who have really been as productive as Profar this year, and that was an incredible moment, because, yes, they do tie it because of being able to tag from third, but it saves a potential lead from being taken uh, by the Giants, so that was huge. I will say one thing with the Josh Hader blown save, he does get a strikeout here, but gifted a strikeout. Uh, absolutely gifted two horrible heinously horrible calls by home plate umpire to give Hader the strikeout personally I know we love him but I would have taken Josh Hader out if possible right then and there even after that strikeout because he was gifted those strikes I would have taken him out immediately if you could I know Tim Hill's been shaky this year who ends up coming in and striking out the last batter but personally I thought that clearly the writing was on the wall and they needed to move on but Again, uh, I'm not the manager, and they choose not to do that. They tie the game, which sets the stage, ladies and gentlemen, for a lovely, a lovely ending. We had the quote. It was going viral of after the Padres got swept, they got beat down, silenced. It was rough. They asked Manny, he's like, no, I'm, I'm friggin' Manny Machado, right? Like, I'm not nervous. So what does he do? We start off with a grand out. By Austin Nola. What else is new? Still got the Nola hat, though, I will say. It's right here. But then, uh, Jerickson Profar, he gets a single. Who's clearly been very uh, visually upset uh, at his struggles, too, by the way. The double plays that he's grounded into. I remember from yesterday, that was really rough. And he had one today where he took off the helmet and nearly slammed it on the ground again. And then Juan Soto reaches on catcher's interference, which was very... Like, a little bit odd, because you're a little bit worried because you're like, Soto's been having an incredible game, and you kind of want to have him at bat here, but it's okay because the Padres lineup is a lot deeper now. Say this was Manny, right, and it was catcher's interference, I would have actually pre-deadline been like, I actually just want him batting here, because I don't necessarily trust a Luke Voigt or everybody else to come through. No offense to Luke Voigt, no offense to the guys that have batted behind Manny. Uh, for the first half of the season. I mean, the Padres still won some games. But I'd be a little bit worried there. But that's what's so great about the deadline. You have Manny Machado, and then you're going to have Josh Bell, and then Brandon Jury. Those are some pretty good at-bats. So you have this feeling of it's it's this murderer's row potential, right? And what happens? Machado lifts one. 403 feet. 
Profar and Soto score. Crowd goes wild. I mean, he's he's been a beast, and he's actually been slowing down uh, in the second half of the season, so it's great to see Manny come back on board, especially after those comments he made, right? Like, especially after those comments, for him to come out and have this walk-off home run, you love to love to see it. It's a great way for the Padres to bounce back, and a great way for Manny to make sure that he's not on the other end of, like, getting roasted alive on the Bird app, you know what I'm saying? So that was really great. Love it even if it wasn't the prettiest win in the world when it comes to that blown save. Still, you got to love a W. The Padres really, really need this one. But before we talk about that blown save a little bit, uh, because we got to talk about it. We got to talk about Josh Hader, uh, for sure. Did you know, guys, that the key to sustainable weight loss is through your liver? The liver is the body's metabolic... Is that his metabolic furnace? Metabolic? I think it's metabolic or metabolic. I don't remember exactly. Don't quote me on that, guys. It's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. That probably answers my question, but thanks to modern diets, rich and unhealthy processed food, and constant exposure to thousands of man-made and environmental toxins, most of us have overworked livers. Not to mention if you maybe have a little bit too much fun on the weekends, you know what I'm saying, guys? But thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Tech Research, you can rejuvenate and reignite your metabolism. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting supernutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract, all of which work together. Wake up a sluggish old liver. No more bloated belly. No more uncomfortable digestion. Guys, they've got you covered, man. You don't want to. You don't want to feel like you're low energy all the time. Liver Health Formula. They've got you covered, guys. And you can try Liver Health Formula risk-free today, and get a free bottle of Curb Fit with your order. Curb Fit is a safe and all-natural. Um, Ooh, appetite suppressant, making it easy to say no to naughty foods. Go to getliver.help. Getliverhelp.com slash MLB. I'm just too excited about the Manny walk-off, guys. What can I say? I'm mispronouncing my words and my lines. What do you want from me, okay? Getliverhelp.com slash MLB to learn more. Again, that's getliverhelp.com slash MLB to thrive. Liver health formula completely risk-o-free. Go check it out. Mm-mm-mm. All right, guys. Let's talk about a little bit of the, the rougher moments uh, from last night's game. I already mentioned, obviously, that Josh Hader blew the save. Um, and that I, that was really annoying. It was a 4-1 lead. This wasn't a 4-3 game. And it's been frustrating as a Padres fan. There's been a lot of blown saves, right? The Rodgers family, let me tell you right now, is just not having fun at Petco Park. Both with Trevor, and or I should say with Tyler. My apologies to um, Trevor Rodgers of Miami. But with Tyler Rodgers giving up that home run to Manny Machado. And then Taylor Rodgers uh, blowing all those saves and then getting traded to Milwaukee. It's been rough going for the Rodgers gang. And also Josh Hader. So we've had some really rough bullpen blowups, or specifically just blown saves, blown leads. Uh, granted, they're short leads, and I think that that's sometimes what has made Padres fans and myself feel like the Padres bullpen is in desperate need of a reshape. We've been saying that all season. But part of that is because the Padres offense wasn't particularly great. So a lot of blown saves and blown games by the bullpen was like two-run, three-run leads, which, don't get me wrong, still should be upset with the bullpen, but that does show you that prorated out, out over the course of a whole season, you have to start blaming the offense a little bit too. Give them some more comfortable leads. You know what I'm saying? I know there was like an early on one with Steven Wilson where he blew like a huge, huge lead. That's a little bit different. But when it comes to some of these short run leads, 
you got to remember, guys, the offense has to score more. So Preller saw all of this and decided to go out and get Mr. Josh Hader, who was fine in his first outing, struck out one, great, no runs. But in this one, the fact that his only strikeout came from a bunch of gifted calls by the umpire was very concerning. He could not locate anything. The cutter wasn't working. Slider wasn't working. It was it was weird how much he just couldn't find the strike zone. It reminded me of when Aralis Chapman blows saves for the Yankees. It's not him getting bashed and hits going through and maybe, you know, you just you throw some bad pitches. It's like you can't even hit the strike zone. That's concerning. I'm not trying to compare. I'm not trying to hear a guy that you traded so much for get comparisons to Aroldis Chapman's decline, right? I know he's been okay for the Yankees lately, but you get my point. And the fact that you you hit a batter in this inning, it was freaking concerning. It really was. I was really nervous watching it. And one of the things that I talked about when the Josh Hader trade happened, I gave the Joe Musgrove signing an A. I gave the Josh Hader signing a B, or the trade, a B. And the reason I gave it a B is because he's probably the best closer in the game. But I said probably. Here's the thing. And I'm going to reiterate my apologies for people who have listened to the Josh Hader episode, but it needs to be said again. The reason I gave that trade a B, even even a B minus, I, I argued, was because I there's two reasons. One, actually technically three. The first one is a little bit up and down that I'm not too smart enough to understand uh, necessarily if Josh Hader is heading towards decline, but... Bottom line is he'd been blowing up recently. Uh, he'd been blowing, b- blowing up de- like kind of fantastically for the Brewers, right? Giving up six earned runs in certain situations. This is a guy who's been untouchable for a long time. So that gave me concern number one. Granted, those were just a couple of uh, blowups, and you're saying, well, that's why his ERA got so bloated because he had some prolific blowups, right? Reason number two. The Brewers, they often do not miss trades. I have been making fun of the Brewers all season long and how this is a team that MMLE analysts and media members will sometimes praise for how well they develop talent, how they get yourself a Corbin Burns and they, they're a little bit built all around and the Willie Adamish trade worked out for them okay. Christian Yelich worked out for them pretty okay even if he isn't as good as he used to be now and he's a little bit washed. I get it. I get it. Freddie Peralta, right? Like all that stuff. But they never spent any money. So I'm always like, congratulations, the last time you were in a World Series was the 80s. Talk to me when you make it to the World Series again before you're just content with being competitive every now and then. But that being said, they don't miss trades very often, including with the Padres. Trent Grisham for Eric Lauer and Luis Arias, not necessarily looking like a total uh, great trade right now. Eric Lauer is a pretty decent pitcher and would be pretty helpful to have as a back-end rotation guy. He might even have the upside of get, getting better, especially as he gets older since he's only 26, 27, right? That's not a great trade. You look at them overall, they make a lot of good moves. They, as trades, not for signing in the direction of the team overall and their attitude towards trying to be competitive, but just in terms of trades, so that made me nervous. You gave up Denelson Lamette, which is whatever. He gets DFA. Now he's with Colorado. I get it. Lamette clearly probably should have gone for the Tommy John surgery, at least in my opinion. But you also give up Estuary Ruiz, who we were all very excited about, one of the biggest uh, prospect breakouts uh, of 2022 with that crazy speed and a better hit tool, as we saw him being a breakout this year. You give him up. And then, on top of that, you also give up Robert Gasser, who was the best pitching prospect available in your system. 
Granted, I get it. You just extended Musgrove. You have Snell for next year. You have Darvish for next year. You know, I, I get it to a degree, right? And then you had Mackenzie Gore at the time. And then you also have, you know, Mike Clevenger. I get it. There might not have been an immediate spot for him. But even still, it's the top pitching prospect in your farm system. You give him up, and then you also give up Taylor Rogers, who I think, if you look at FIP, he was his FIP was still pretty low, right? Which made me think he's got some positive regression due. He's just been having these weird blow-ups lately. I get it. I get Ronnie to remove him from the closer role and improve the bullpen, but I thought Taylor Rogers, you could still use him. He could still be an effective bullpen arm. And then lastly, which I kind of alluded to there with Rogers, reason number three the trade was a B for me is because on top of the assets and all that, I actually did not think the Padres bullpen was that bad. You know, 15th in ERA at the time, not great, needs to be better. You had a lot of blown saves from Rogers, but their FIP was like eighth, right? Field independent pitching. They were showing signs of being a decent enough bullpen. And if you consider that they were going to have Drew Pomerantz hopefully come back, who is expected to come back. He's beginning some rehab stuff for the playoff run, right? You get Pierce Johnson get back. You get Robert Suarez back. You get some of these guys back. Maybe Tim Hill starts improving. Steven Wilson figures some stuff out with his strikeout rate and what have you. That I thought the Padres should just go out and get Joe Jimenez of the of the Tigers, right? Go out and get someone who's not going to cost you nearly as much as a Josh Hader. Now, I didn't know Josh Hader was on the market necessarily at the time when I professed these opinions, but that was my big thing. You can go out and get some decent bullpen arms. I wonder if if Jorge Lopez of the Orioles, since the Orioles ended up selling, I wonder if he would have cost a little bit less to acquire, right? I would have liked that just because it would have cost less or just get some setup men, right? Get some of those whatever relievers out of Florida, out of the Marlins, right? Uh, you know, Dylan Flora or whatever his face is. Um, what's their close name? Tanner Scott or Anthony Bass, right? Go for some guys like that. Wick, uh, not Rowan Wick, or Rowan Wick of the Cubs or Michael Givens of the Cubs. Guys that would at least cost you something, but you still would have saved a little bit and you save some money too because Hater is going to go up and cost next year. So that's why I gave it a B. I still gave it a B because he's still probably, when you look at the overall pedigree, the best closer in baseball. But it is all of those reasons I outlined is why I was concerned. And last night's blow-up is the reason I'm still concerned. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I'm just telling you guys, that's just my opinion. I felt like you didn't need to make the trade. It was exciting. It was thrilling. Let me be clear. I was losing my mind when they made it. But did you have to? Could you have just boosted the bullpen a little bit instead of going for the big fish? which Preller did, and he's been attached to Josh Hader for a long time, so I guess it's not really all that surprising uh, in the context. But nonetheless, guys, got to keep an eye on this guy. Threw a lot of pitches, too, so we're probably not going to see him pitch for a little bit. Guys, before we end on a lighter note, before we end on a lighter note, for a pitcher who's been performing well lately, unlike Mr. Josh Hader, let me quickly talk to you about something Really, really important, guys. That is BlueNile.com, ladies and gentlemen. If you want your wedding jewelry, which is engagement rings, bands, whatever, or just your fine jewelry like cocktail rings, necklaces with gemstones and diamond jewelry and all that cool stuff. Maybe there's some bronze things and some, some silver, some amulets maybe. Whatever you're looking for, for whatever it is, for whether it's your partner, whether it's just a, a friend, whether it's just a, a loved one, a parent, grandparent, cousin, I, I don't know, what the heck, what, you just want to give gifts 
to all the people in your life that you care about. Maybe you want to make a little dolphin on your thing, right? They've got all these tools and whatnot. Maybe you want to have a Padres thing. I bet you they've got, they could help you out, man, right? With diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft the perfect engagement ring or a cocktail ring or fine jewelry ring, whatever. Whatever it is you're looking for. Make your moment sparkle, guys, with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging. That will not give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you we were going to end on a light note. Or a lighter note. I somewhat lied. We're talking about Monday's game, in which the Padres lost one to nothing, right? They lost one to nothing in this game, continuing up until last night their offensive woes. Reading from Nick Lee, uh, who's a good follow, by the way, for all you Padres fans. I haven't talked to him personally; just a Twitter friend, I guess, of Padres Twitter. Um, he said, according to Statcast, this was heading into last night's game. The Padres are the only team in MLB without a single barrel over the last five games. That's bad. That means when you make contact with a certain launch angle, I don't have it right in front of me. Sorry, I'm not a nerd. And it goes, has an exit velocity. I believe it's over 95 miles an hour or something like that. Probably a little bit higher. But go Google it right now while you're listening to this, guys. You get what I'm saying. So the Padres have been pretty poor. They've been getting shut out over their last 23 innings. They got shut out by the Dodgers. That was really rough. And the Saturday game, aside from the early on goings when there was some fueling errors by Gavin Lux, they hadn't been scoring. Some ground balls, all that stuff, right? It was rough. We had the initial game with Soto when he made his debut with the Drury Grand Slam, and the Padres went completely quiet. And they stayed quiet on this Monday night game. And part of that was because Alex Wood, who is another pitcher that I wanted the Padres to get this offseason, but admittedly, he hasn't been very good this year, but he's certainly figured out the Padres. Six and a third innings, zero earned runs, five Ks, no walks. He was great. And then Camilo Duvall, who seems to have figured something out with this sinker lately. I mean, he's been good all year, but he seems to be ascending to another level, Camilo Duvall. So shout out to him. One of the more promising young relief pitchers in baseball, I'd say, and probably the best young player that the Giants have. I don't even think that that's all that uh, crazy to say. I know they have that Luciano kid uh, who's a shortstop for them in their farm system, but still, that's just the vibe for them right now. But the thing we got to talk about isn't the fact that the Pirates' offense was bad again on Monday. Right, Because we saw it come to life yesterday. I want to talk about Blake Snell. In this game, five and two-thirds, which still, again, with the lack of you know going deep into games, but still, five and two-thirds, he gives up one earned run on six hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. He worked out of some trouble in this one, too, by the way, which is worth pointing out that he only gave up uh, a run on a sacrifice fly to center after you know having a really, really tough situation with uh, runners in scoring position, so that was nice. Let me read you some stats about Blake Snow. It's interesting. Because last year around this time, Blake Snow had all of a sudden figured things out. And it was when he started, you know, changing up his pitching repertoire a little bit. In August of last year, he had a 1.7 ERA, which was very, very low, obviously. And then a 2.35 in his one start that he had in September after, you know, getting injured and not being able to finish out the season. Since July, what is it? July. 
1st, yes, since July 1st of this season, and including this start from Monday night, Blake Snell has an ERA of 2.41 and a FIP of 2.47. And across 37.1 innings pitched, he has 57 strikeouts. He's given up three home runs, but 57 strikeouts, right? 17 walks, which isn't great, but it's not awful. It's not the usual amount of free passes he gives. And the bottom line is Blake Snell has been quietly very dominant. So while Sean Mania has been a big issue with the team, right? I'm still not all that worried because Sean is a four or five. But if Blake Snell is starting to turn things around, and it's and if he's able to continue it against some pretty decent teams in the Giants, I'm hopeful that Snell can be that fourth guy in the rotation down the stretch and maybe even be a guy, if he keeps performing this way, that the team wants to use in the playoffs as maybe their third starter, depending on how Clevenger's doing. I still think Clevenger's been better this year. I still think he is better overall. I think Clevenger, when he was healthy, was one of the better starters in baseball, like a top 20 or so guy, uh, maybe even top 15 at times. Snell has been ramping it up. And it's him ramping it up that is huge for this team. When one falls, one gets better. That's been the vibe for the Padres this year when it comes to the rotation. Whether it's Darvish getting lit up by the Giants early on. Musgrove steps up, right? Uh, You know, you get Nick Martinez to step up. You get Mackenzie Gore to step up for the season when he falls off, right? And so on and so forth. So love to see that. I'm wondering if Blake Snell maybe is figuring something out, right? It's still overall a trade that... You know, definitely the Padres would probably not make again if given the opportunity, just knowing ahead it's probably not the best trade. In fairness, the assets that the Padres gave up haven't exactly murdered them, uh, with Luis Patino kind of being in and out from the Rays, wishing him all the best. He's been just dealing with a lot of injuries. But they haven't been totally burned by that trade, but certainly they're hoping that he can at least be good down the stretch and potentially be good for this team in the playoffs, potentially, right? If he focuses more on that fastball-slider combination, which he did, he generated nine whiffs on the slider Monday night. If he focuses more on that and his curveball is able to be at least kind of okay, which it was in this game, seven whiffs on the pitch, which was very nice, Blake Snell is really, really interesting. I'm keeping my eye on this because, you know, uh, like I said, it's just be really key for the team if he can be really good, if he can add more uh, depth to this Padres starting rotation that is not desperately lacking it, but could certainly use it, guys, could certainly use it. So while the Josh Hader thing is wait to be seen, Blake Snell is a nice development for this team. Do not sleep on the guy. Yes, the efficiency isn't there, but even when he's been at his best, efficiency has just not been his thing. This is a guy who's going to throw over 100 pitches to get through five innings. It happens. But if he's not giving up the runs and he's ramping up the strikeouts... At that point, you just got to hope that the bullpen comes through and a much improved offense comes through as well. But that's it. That's basically it, ladies and gentlemen. With that all being said, that about does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the recap of the games. Shout out to Manny Machado, man. How much fun was that? That was great. Wish I was at that game. I'll be at the Nationals game uh, against the Padres this weekend. But still, uh, man, I wish I could have been at that. With that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from. You can follow on YouTube, too, to see whatever kind of silly things I do on the camera. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres. 
And until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. He's Manny Fleeping Machado! Come on, come on.